Pray with me, please. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We sang about our souls panting for God like a deer panting for water. The psalmist says that his body aches for God. He considers God all through the watches of the night, seeking God, yearning after God. It's an issue of intimacy. You and I live in a generation that is marked by unprecedented wealth, instant access to people of every time zone at every moment, more leisure time than any generation in recorded history, and yet we are, tragically, more alone. We have a greater sense of isolation. A greater percentage of us are depressed, and too many of us are bereft. With the ability to forge relationships with everyone, we fail to form relationships with anyone. Our ability to communicate across time and space advances that have the hoped-for design of heightening community have actually left us increasingly isolated from one another. We spend more time on the internet than we do in face-to-face -face conversations. You don't believe me? Time it. Time how much, how many minutes you actually spend each day in a God's honest truth, face-to-face -face conversation with other people versus how much time you spend reading your email or surfing the web. Now, some of you say, well, I escaped that entirely. I don't have a computer, so we don't communicate with you at all. <laughs> we used to play tag. Now we play phone tag. We used to celebrate our birthdays together. Now, an alarm on our Palm Pilot alerts us to the fact that someone in our Rolodex is having a birthday and offers to generate an e-card sent directly to them that we never have to give a moment's thought to. Six of you sent them on Thursday, I know. <laughs> we do our banking without any relationship to a banker. We can employ people to clean our homes, kill our bugs, and keep our landscaping up without ever having to meet them, without even speaking the same language without ever knowing their names. We can plan our vacations with the help, without the help of a travel agent. We can use our e-ticket to check in online. We can, when we arrive, bypass the Hertz counter and go directly to our self-chosen rental car. We can bypass everyone, except the person that frisks us at security and the hotel check-in clerk. I actually had my windshield replaced this week without ever having to speak to an actual human being. I communicated with my insurance company via their website. They replied to me via email, informing me of the glass company in my area that would be doing the work. I left them a message on their recorder. They left me a return message on my cell phone, 
with instructions about the day and time they'd be doing the work, and when I returned home that evening, sure enough, there was a new windshield in my car. I never saw anyone. I never spoke to anyone. I never signed anything. I have a full-blown relationship without the complication of an actual conversation. This is progress, right? Yes and no. Advances in technology in this information age have indeed made it possible for an individual to manage more with ever greater efficiency. But efficiency is not intimacy. Like voyeurs, we have a lot of highly personal information about other people. But it is not information that is gained through mutually vulnerable relationships, relationships that are built on time and trust. So although we are saturated with information, we are, many of us, devoid of intimacy. To my way of thinking, the most tragic outcome of all this is that although our hearts do yearn for God, we ache for God, for intimacy with him, most of us settle for far less than that. We accept information about God in place of intimacy with God. We work an efficient hour of worship into our weekly calendars and an expedient moment of prayer into our cluttered days. We fool ourselves into believing that having Christian friends or hanging out with other church people is as good as knowing Christ or hanging out with him in so many ways. We are guilty of exchanging the truth about God for a lie. Intimacy with God for information about God. Too often we worship the creation instead of the creator. Maybe most sadly in our society, we have allowed the concept, the great, broad, deep concept of intimacy to be reduced to the act of sex. That bars us from ever even thinking fully about intimacy with God because we are ashamed to think about intimacy. Friends, in an age where sex happens all too anonymously, where people can have sex via the internet, never meeting one another, we dare not equate intimacy with sex. None of us would ever do such a thing, you say. None of us would ever have anonymous sex, right? I'm even making you terribly uncomfortable by saying it. Well, consider for a moment what anonymous sex really is. It is going through the physical motions, going through the act, going through the physical motions without any true care or concern or knowledge of the other, with the total emphasis on self-fulfillment. You and I would never do that. Do you know that is the very charge that God leveled against his people in the days of the prophet Isaiah? It is exactly that charge. They were going through the motions. They gathered every Sabbath day. They followed along in their bulletins. They listened to the word that was read. They said the required prayers as they were pre-printed for them. They gave alms to the poor. They even sang psalms. Week in and week out, they were going through the physical motions of worship. But God says of himself, he was left feeling like a whore. 
visited by someone who knew him not and loved him little. You and I would never do such a thing, right? We would never just show up for an efficient hour of self-fulfillment and go through the motions as pre-described by someone else in a bulletin and suppose that that was an intimate act of worship with the Lord our God. Are you in danger of anonymous worship? Worship has the potential to be the most intimate act that any one of us can have in relationship to God. In authentic worship, we enter into the very presence of God, into the inner chamber where God is fully revealed, fully vulnerable, fully present, and so are we. The place where our soul is so knit to the heart of God that where God ends and we begin is blurred. Indeed, where the two become one, Christ's union with his church is described as that of a bridegroom to a bride for a reason. It is intended to be that intimate of an experience, one that we share with others, but not fully, for it is so sweet to be shared with God and God alone. In authentic worship, we are free to confess our sins because we know that the love of the other is pure and steadfast and forgiving. In authentic worship, we are free to sing praises. We are free to lift up a voice that nobody else around us appreciates, for the lover of our souls loves to hear the sound of our voice. In authentic worship, we are totally free to be ourselves worrying not about those who are around us and what they may think. For in authentic worship, there is but an audience of one. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, worship has the potential to be an experience of ecstasy unparalleled in human life. You don't have to go to worship. You have the privilege of entering into worship by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the person of Jesus Christ. If your experience of God, if in times of prayer, in the context of worship, when singing glory to his name, you are not moved more powerfully than by human intimacy, then it is time for you to examine the nature of your relationship with the living God. If you are not more moved in worship than you are in any other human experience, then your relationship with God lacks the intimacy it was designed to have. No one is leaping up right now saying, I want that. My body aches for that. I want to be in a relationship with God that is that exciting, that vibrant, that exhilarating, that motivating, that captivating. I want that. That's what the psalmist is trying to describe today. His aching desire to be in an intimate, authentic relationship with the Lord our God. If you yearn for that kind of intimacy with the Lord, then I want to invite you to examine the nature of intimacy itself. Intimacy is more than 
familiarity. Intimacy is more than closeness. It is more than mutual affection. Intimacy is one of the bases of love, but it is not love itself. Consider the nature of a mother to her nursing child, and you will begin to understand what intimacy is. Consider the re relationship of Ruth and Naomi, where we talk about your God becoming my God and your people becoming my people, and you will begin to understand the nature of intimacy. Consider how the soul of David was knit to the soul of Jonathan, and you will begin to understand the nature of intimacy. Consider the relationship of Jesus to the disciple whom he loved, and you will begin to understand the nature of intimacy. Intimacy requires proximity or closeness. Intimacy requires vulnerability and trust. Intimacy requires, and more than dependence and more than independence, a true interdependence. Intimacy requires encouragement and appreciation. It requires listening and understanding. Intimacy requires accountability and forgiveness. It's true in human relationships, and it is true in the relationship that humans have to the Lord our God. The Bible says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. If you want a more intimate relationship with God, then draw close to him. Enter into his presence. Acknowledge his presence in every moment, in every place, in every circumstance. Begin to consider how your life is lived constantly in relationship to him. Introduce yourself. If you want to meet somebody, what's the first thing you need to do? You need to introduce yourself. Now, granted, early on in a relationship, we only show what? Our best self. We put our best foot forward. Do your two feet really look that different from one another? Just curious. We put our best foot forward, right? We let, we let them in on all of the good things about us. We're a little bit of self-promoters. That's okay. God knows all that, and, and it's okay. Tell him all those things. Introduce yourself. But you and I know that as a relationship develops, as we come to trust that someone is not going to pull back their love because we are imperfect, as we begin to trust that God's love is steadfast and enduring, as we begin to trust that God is slow to anger, that he is steadfast and forgiving, as we begin to trust God, we begin to reveal not only the good, but the bad and the ugly. And we find out that God loves us still. If you want to grow in the intimacy of your relationship with God, you have to be willing to take off your Sunday morning clothes and be before God as you are. We don't need to dress things up for him. He was stripped for our transgressions. He was laid bare for our iniquities. We don't need to put on false pretense for him. If you want to grow in intimacy with the Lord our God, bear yourself before him and find that in the most vulnerable, vulnerable position of your life, 
he gathers you in with love, with grace, with the covering of his wings. The best part of an intimate relationship with God is that it never ends. As much as we love other people, our relationships with them do on this earth come to an end. Our relationship with God grows continually into eternity. If you are a widow or a widower, or if you have suffered the grief of the loss of a child, or if you're single, you've never been married, there is a lover of your soul. If you're in a marriage that frankly is unsatisfying, there is a lover of your soul. His name is Jesus. He loves you more than any human being ever will. He knows you thoroughly, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he's dying to be in a relationship with you. His love is eternal. His desire to be in a relationship with you has no bounds. And he is willing to pay the ultimate price just for an introduction. The writer of Hebrews remind, reminds us that it is Jesus. It is Jesus. Jesus is the one who has opened the possibility of you and I having an intimate relationship with God. He is, his body serves as the curtain torn apart so that you and I can enter into the Holy of Holies and be in the very presence of God where an intimate relationship with him can be established and grow. You and I enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is the one who grants the possibility of intimacy with God. And so a relationship with Christ is essential. The psalmist earnestly seeks God. His soul thirsts for God. His body longs for God because he knows that the love of God is better than life itself because he knows that his soul will be satisfied with no other relationship now or in eternity. Jesus affirms that those who seek will find, that those who ask to them it will be given, that those who knock to them the door will be opened. And so I encourage you, if you want to have an intimate relationship with God, then seek him out. Ask him for it. And keep knocking until that door is open to you. And never be satisfied with anything less. Because you were made to be the lover of God's soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.